and let me. My middle name rhymes with yours. Your middle name is? Is Maureen. <laughs> Ooh, sweet. Hi, this is Dr. Doreen Downing, and I'm host of the Find Your Voice, Change Your Life podcast here today with a wonderful new friend. I'm so excited to introduce you to her, and this is Jamie Carr. And that your name is always a little hard for me to say, in the, but it's Car Carriaccio or say Carlaccio. Carlaccio. Yeah. Yes. And... Um, the reason why I want to introduce you to uh, Jamie today is because on the internet, you know, you, you, you don't know who you're meeting. And once in a while, it, I, I feel myself already my heart opening. Once in a while, you feel like, oh, there is a beautiful human being. And, you know, we've never met face to face, <laughs> well, face to face on internet and Zoom. But so I'm really excited about you coming on today and sharing your story. I've heard bits about it. And there's been lots of, well, I'll just say it, lots of trauma that you've experienced. But look at you today who has gone and um, lived a life and found a way to one of the things that we were talking about earlier, uh, shining from within and letting the the beauty and the magnificence and being in that. And no matter what the surface is, it uh, you shine. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you so much, Doreen. It is a pleasure to be here with you. And I thank you very much for asking me to be on your show. Yes. Well, you sent me a bio and I'm going to read it because I think it gives a sense of how accomplished you have become, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Against all odds. <laughs> it is a lot. So I'll read the, there's a short bio, a long bio, and I'll read the medium one here. Uh, Jamie Carlaccio is a master certified life coach, writer, writing consultant and international public speaker. After spending about 25 years in academia as a scholar and professor of writing and literature, Jamie left to pursue her spiritual calling. I have to take a big breath right there because that's what speaks to me. I think spiritual calling is, um, is like we are there's something inside of us, but we're also listening, listening to the universe and something was calling you. So anyway, we'll go back to she coaches women who struggle with self-sabotaging self behavior, who are reevaluating their career choices and who want to develop the self-confidence to choose healthy, affirming personal relationships she also coaches clients who wish to use writing as a vehicle to express themselves more fully. All right. Well, that's that's the uh, bio that says you are out there uh, having been in the world, moving yourself along. But it seems like all of us move ourselves along, but we're moving all inside. There's more. You know, we don't just leave behind what happened to us. We carry it with us, even though we're out there pursuing and achieving. Jamie, yes. let's, yes. let's, uh, let's just do, I, I think it's always good to 
anchor in something about where you grew up and something about your family situation early on. It gives us a sense of um, a beginning. Okay. Yeah. So first of all, I would say that we can't judge people by their outsides because we don't always know their insides. And so I say that because oftentimes we think that what's outside is who they are. And we forget that there's this whole inside part that is sort of like, you know, what's below the surface of an, you know, an iceberg. There's like a little, an eighth above, and then there's, you know, seven eighths below. So I was uh, born in Southern California and my mother died when I was an infant. And this, this feeds into the story that's about to come. And so after a few months of my older sister sort of babysitting me while my dad went to work, I had three older siblings and they were much older. My grandmother from Italy, immigrant from Italy, came to stay with me and take care of me. And she was basically the one piece of stability and love in my life. And then when we were visiting my family in Spokane, Washington, where pretty much all of my family lived, she died suddenly of a heart attack when I was five. And instead of bringing me back to California, my dad left me up in Spokane and I stayed with an aunt and her kids, my cousins. And I ended up staying in Spokane till I was 21, but it wasn't very nice and easy. And in fact, that's why I live 3000 miles away from Spokane. Now there's a lot of pain there. So I, I was physically abused and verbally abused. And then my dad ended up marrying someone who was a uh, psychological and verbal abuser. And that was, uh, that was how I grew up. I, I also experienced um, people trespassing against me physically and sexually and that was also part of my story, but I kept it hidden. I kept that hidden. I was ashamed. I thought it was all my fault. I thought there was something wrong with me. And this started when I was nine. So, and, and it was, it was ongoing. And so it was, and then I was abused. So I was afraid to talk because if I opened my mouth, that was bad news. I would get in more trouble or something else would happen. So I always felt like I was walking on eggshells. And if anything good happened, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like this can't be good. This can't be good because something else is going to happen. That's going to ruin it. And I grew up afraid of people, afraid of people who were angry and unable to really deal with conflict because I didn't have that voice, you know, that's why I'm here today. I didn't have a voice. I didn't have any way of standing up for myself because if I ever did attempt to do that, uh, it ended up in repercussions that I didn't want. And so I went through life like that for a very, very decades. I went through life like that. And even by the time I was 12, I felt so worthless and so unlovable that I started using alcohol and other drugs to assuage the pain and to feel like I fit in. So if other people were drinking, then I would join in. If other people were doing another substance, I would join in because it felt like if I did those things, then people would love me. And I ended up using alcohol as a salve for 25 years 
And it was the thing that made the pain go away for a short while. But what it ended up doing was making the pain worse because at some point I couldn't stop drinking. And it was the only thing that I felt like I had that made my life bearable. But at the same time, it made my life unbearable. So I was fortunate enough to hit a bottom, a spiritual bottom. We often say there's a God-shaped hole inside. We try to fill it with spirits that come in a bottle. But ultimately, what really fills that hole is a spirit, a divine spirit. That uh, what you just said about the <laughs> the spirits and the irony of it being called uh, alcohol being called spirits. I never really saw that until what you just uh, described. Well, first, let me respond, because that was a lot of life that you pointed to that listeners are going to say, yeah, that I'm sure that so many people have found themselves in a life that they didn't choose. That's part of what I hear what happened for you. And um, wow, what a, a lot of loss so early. And I think that in our early years is when we start to develop our inner sense of self. And um, that didn't happen. And obviously, not all the time, but moms are usually a good source of nourishment and feeding us our our goodness early on, you know, so, you know, just even just being wrapped, you know, held by, by people who love us, it feels like that helps our brains realize the world is a safe place. My goodness, Jamie, I didn't realize that there was so, so much that has um, happened so early in your life and that the idea what you pointed to voice not having a voice because that would be jeopardizing you it would be endangering you if you had a voice yeah absolutely and and so funnily enough uh the work i do now is about giving people voice it's about amplifying voices that have been silenced because mine was and writing has been an, a vehicle for me and uh, speaking about my scholarship has been a vehicle for me. And it has been a long, long journey. It, it wasn't an easy journey at all. But I guess I finally felt like I, I wrote in a, when I was filling out some forms for you, one of the things I wrote was, this is the first time I'm really going public with a lot of things that have happened to me. And so this is the first time I'm actually really divulging to the public some of the events in my life that have made me who I am today. I love that sense of made me who I am, because I think that's what what you do as a coach and what uh, this whole podcast is about is saying, hey, folks, if you have suffered, it, it, it doesn't mean that life is not yours for the taking somewhere down the line because it's it's all of what we experience is something that gives us something so what would you say this this you know these challenges and these abuses and these um you know these places where you weren't valued and you weren't loved what what do you think that that how did that make you more of who you can be i'll tell you there were definitely a lot of times in my life where I was asking God, what's going on? Why is this happening to me? I need help. And, you know, I can't bear it anymore. But 
what happened is this is Jamie Carlaccio's philosophy and it may be other people's, but this is what makes sense to me. Somewhere along the line, the things that happened to me had to happen or I wouldn't be able to help the people I help. In other words, there's no way I could be a life coach or I was a chaplain, I was a professor, I mentored students. I help women who are recovering from addiction. I used to volunteer in prisons and jails to work with women. And none of that would have been possible had I not had the same experience. So I have training in suicide prevention, mental health, first aid, sexual assault, crisis counseling, because those things enable me to hold my hand out to people who People held their hand out to me and, and I feel like I traveled over some hot coals, but there were women holding their hand out to me. And so I feel compelled and called to hold my hand out for the next woman or women who need that. Yeah. The, the trust, you know, they talk about no like, and trust. <laughs> and yeah. I think that knowing somebody has had the same experience or has had violations uh, that you can trust that especially if they are if they're a light like a beacon you're like a beacon ahead of of, of a lot of people who are saying I want to I want out of this or I want to move away and how 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 and you mentioned bottom uh, that there was a, a spiritual bottom <laughs> say say a little bit more about that I wanted to take my life. I was miserable. Mm. I was miserable. And the only way I thought I could do it was if I just kept drinking. And so I drank more and I drank more. Mm. And what happened was when I was at that really dark night, I saw a pinprick of light and light always pierces the darkness. Darkness can never overcome light. And I think that pinprick of light was love. I think it was my grandmother, my Italian grandmother who took care of me for five years. I think that saved me. And I also attribute it to my higher power, which I call God, because the way I understand God, God is love. And so there was love there that saved me. And that love was the thing that ultimately I found myself able to do for myself. Cause I couldn't love myself. I didn't love myself. I didn't think anyone else loved me, but my higher power loved me enough to save me. And that's how I continued to stay sober. And it's, mm -hmm. it's the kind of love I want to give to other people who don't feel loved. Oh, thank you. That's uh that's really beautiful, amazing kind of learning. And then uh, the kind of commitment you have, and it comes from your deep, deep ex life experience, plus uh, um, a higher power. What you just said about your grandmother, because I'm thinking about voice, you know, and that mm -hmm. voice is more than just the sound <laughs> or words. Yeah. Voice, I think, is like from the soul or voice comes from love. I mean, don't you think that there's a sense that your grandmother represented some voice for you to hear? Yes, absolutely. So I believe she was there to implant that seed, oh. even though it got covered up with a lot of dirt over the years. 
that seed was there, sort of like a mustard seed. It's small, it's very tiny, but it grows big. And eventually the dirt sort of started to come away and the little mustard seed was able to grow. So my I attribute the fact that I am here today to that grandmother. I called her Gama, rhymes with mama. And I attribute that I was able to survive because that was still in there somewhere. It was just buried. Yeah. And in terms of what voice means to me, we listen to it. And even though it wasn't, you know, like I, I'm saying, even though it wasn't something that you hear and it's a sound, it's a, a sense. And I think this deeper idea about voice being more of a, uh, like you said, there was a spiritual calling. That means that's a voice, isn't it? Oh yeah, I hear it. I hear it today. I hear it all the time. I I meditate every day, and I try to just quiet the the crazies in my head to hear that voice. And that voice is the thing that tells me go here, go to this place, do this thing. So I definitely hear it, and that is the voice that empowered me. And so, you know, and you know, I still remember all the little songs that my grandmother taught me and the things that she said to me and, you know, hugging me and playing on her lap and, you know, it's, it's give me a kiss. It's very, very idiomatic Southern Italy, not perfect Italian, but, you know, those kinds of loving phrases have always stayed with me and I have a child. And so I want him to know that he's loved no matter what, anytime, any day, that it doesn't matter if he makes a mistake or if he's in a grouchy mood, I will always love him. And I will always tell him that. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> so that spiritual awakening, what happened next? Well, when I was eight, I wanted to be a priest. Oh. I was a Catholic. I ended up leaving the Catholic church and becoming an Episcopalian in my fifties. But I I felt really called to be a priest and you can't be a priest if you're a woman in the Catholic church. So I was, I always had these incipient feminist sentiments, but I ended up staying as a Catholic. I went to a Catholic university and I always befriended people who were religious or spiritual. And I always knew in the back of my head that I wanted to do that, but I never thought it was truly possible. And in my twenties, I read a book, and the, the main character in the book was a professor at a divinity school. And I thought, I want to go to divinity school. But I never quite believed it would ever happen. And then I moved from New York City to uh, the New Haven area in Connecticut. And I realized Yale Divinity School was right down the road. So I applied and got in. And I realized finally that I was home. I was finally home. And that is... That is where kind of all the, you know, all of my spiritual calling finally coalesced in earning a master of divinity degree and then becoming a chaplain for a while. I didn't get ordained in the end, but um, I did do chaplaincy work. And so I'm also doing a certificate in spiritual direction with the Spiritual Life Center in West Hartford, Connecticut now, because I feel like I still, I have the calling and the Holy Spirit said, Jamie, you don't need a caller to do what you're going to do for me. Oh, 
because oh. I used to had to have the collar. I had to be a priest and the Holy Spirit said, no, you don't need that. Uh-huh. You have what it, you have what I gave you. So use it. Mm. Well, let's talk about <laughs> how you are using it nowadays. We uh, would like to have people be able to contact you and to hear more if they need to. So what are, what's happening nowadays? And if there's well, a way you want to tr- move towards, uh, if there's something else about the story and finding your voice and being who you are today, let me know that too. Okay, so I will because this is very important. So I taught writing for many years from the early 90s until 2018. I was either a professor or a lecturer in colleges and universities. And so be by teaching writing, I was helping other people to have a voice and to express that. And I I uh, I did an edited collection on Toni Morrison and Toni Morrison was a Nobel laureate. She's uh, very famous and she passed away a few years ago, but her books were all about giving voice to all of the people who had suffered the effects of enslavement in history. And so I, I managed to bring out a book that helped other people teach her work because it's very difficult. And then most recently, I completed an edited collection entitled um, Activism in the Name of God, Religion and Black Feminist Public Intellectuals from the 19th Century to the Present. And there are 12 chapters giving voice to Black women throughout history from the 19th century to the present who spoke up, who sang, who marched, who wrote poetry, who opened schools, and they used their voice to uh, lift up Black women, lift up Black men, call out racism and call out injustice. And a lot of these people have been marginalized and forgotten. So I guess I use my work to amplify other voices. And I still write and I still help people use their writing to tell their stories. And so, yeah, I, and I have a YouTube channel and I have, you know, a LinkedIn page. It's easy to get a hold of me there. And I have a website. It's um, empoweredlifecoaching.me. And so I want to also help people besides the, the life coaching. I want to help people who want to use writing to find their voice as a healing way. A lot of people who have trauma need to be able to find an outlet and writing is often that kind of cathartic outlet. So, yeah, I would say that it's healing. Writing is healing. You're right. And that the uh, process of first listening to yourself and then being able to find that what's inside the truth and then be able to put it out in, and moving it out onto paper is still not public and that that's scary for people but I think that at least that first step of finding the voice and then I guess writing it is a way of actually moving it out from inside to at least put it outside <laughs> and on paper because sometimes people can't verbalize you know, because the pain is there or just for whatever. I mean, this is kind of the work you do is helping people, giving voice to people, giving them that encouragement and, and that, uh, that strength. And 
saying here, you know, find your voice, change your life. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the voice has to come out in writing and maybe it can come out later verbally. Yes, I was just uh, doing a keynote at a writer's conference, and it was about helping people who uh, have found their voice in writing, but, Mm -hmm. you know, here the book is out, and they have to, not have to, but, you know, in order to move it even further out into the world, they need to speak about it at events or some sometimes at stores or whatever is being asked of them. So yes, that that was a fun process to teach people about taking their writing and being comfortable in the same way that they are about finding their voice in terms of what the truth is that they want to say, but how to, uh, you use the word verbalize, how to verbalize and where do you need to be inside of yourself if you're speaking about pain? And in a way you modeled it today, Jamie, you know, that there is unspeakable things <laughs> that have happened, yet you can speak about them. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing. Um, I feel like I'm giving permission. Uh-huh. You know, other people gave me permission through their writing or through their speaking, and you give permission. And and uh-huh. I don't mean that it's about allowing, but if I say something out loud that exposes my vulnerability or exposes some kind of trauma that I've had that I've overcome through a lot of help and a lot of therapy. I did not do this alone. It took a real village to get me where I am today, but me exposing myself may make it easier for somebody else to do the same in a way that I can now speak my truth. And I'm hoping other people can say, yeah, she said something and that resonated with me. And Brene Brown does this all the time. You know, she is the person who gives people permission and encourages people to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I guess one more that I think about you and what you do for people and to give them permission is that there's a safety, you know, the kind of listening and love that comes from you. It feels like that it's a, an environment in which people feel like there isn't judgment. It's safe to finally, finally have a listener that uh, knows Yep. Yep. You're right. It is. It is listening and not judging. It's uh, in chaplaincy. We call it a ministry of presence. You know, sometimes we go to a room, listen to a patient and we don't have to have any answers. We just are present with them and we listen and we hear their story. And oftentimes people just need to be heard. Yes. Oh, that's uh, beyond therapy. (laughs) It's life giving. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, we're coming to the end. I know you gave people how to get a hold of you. That was was that empowered life coaching at dot me. Empowered life coaching dot me. Yeah, yes. yeah, great. Well, I'm going to give you one last <laughs> moment here to see what might want to be said to close this time together today. Okay. Well, thank you. I think the main thing is. It's hard, but it can be done. If we dig deep down, we are all made for love. We are created in love. We are created by love. And if we can just hold on to that and remember that that all there really is is love, all the other stuff is noise. But if we can hang on to the fact that we were created in love, 
and that that's the source of our being, then I think we have the answer, you know, to a life worth living. Thank you so much, Jamie. Thank you. Thank you again for having me. I appreciate it. Somewhere.